A recent projection says that $16 billion will be spent in political ads this year. So should there be campaign finance limits? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's get started. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, Harvard President Claudine Gay has resigned. Plus, what will AI look like in 2024? But first... According to a recent media report, a whopping $16 billion in political ad spending is expected for 2024. Each federal election since 2016 has continued to shatter previous spending records as campaign costs skyrocket. For more, let's bring in Dan McMillan, an author, attorney, former prosecutor, and the executive director of Save Democracy in America. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. So that's an incredible amount. Are you surprised by this estimated projection? Uh, I'm disgusted, but I'm, I'm not surprised, I'm afraid. And actually, it's even worse than that, because if you include direct mail, then the total goes north to 17 billion instead of 16. And you also got to remember that advertising costs in the last two cycles were less than 60% of the total cost of campaigns. So I've not seen a projection for the total cost of the 2024 federal elections in 2020 it was 14.4 billion, which was more than double the 7 billion in 2016. But we have every reason to think that this next cycle is gonna shatter previous records as well. And it has effectively by different, various different channels paralyzed our government. I think in a real sense, the American political system is breaking down uh, before our very eyes because the desperate need for campaign cash um, has all kinds of damaging effects on our politics. What's the current state of campaign financing now? Well, the, you know, our country is unique unique in a lot of ways, some of which are wonderful, but this one is not so great. We're the only wealthy democracy that does not limit the cost of election campaigns. This is because back in 1976, seven Supreme Court justices decided that money spent to influence the outcome of elections is itself free speech, protected by the First Amendment. And so our election campaigns just to pull a number out of the air, have got to cost probably 20, 30 more times the cost of election campaigns in Germany, Canada, Australia, all our friends and allies. Uh, and it's it's been going, this problem has been going with us uh, as a problem since the 1980s, but since Citizens United in 2010, uh, again, the cost of campaigns, as you rightly say, has skyrocketed. And so it now has, I think, clearly become the single biggest flaw in our political system, the single biggest reason why the American political system isn't working anymore for hardly anyone. Should there be campaign finance limits? It'd be wonderful there could be, but the court will not allow that, the Supreme Court that is. So the only path to fixing this is a public financing mechanism. That is create from public funds an alternative pool of money that candidates can draw on to fund their campaigns. So that if they're getting the money from us, the taxpayers, uh, the voters, then they serve, they go back to serving us. 
rather than right now getting all their money from, from billionaires, multimillionaires, special interests of every kind. And those are the people that they serve rather than serving the American people. Public financing is the only path to game-changing reform that the courts will not strike down. So we saw a lot of people jumping in the race. And of course, as time goes on, they start to dwindle out. Now, costs for campaigns, we're talking about how they're skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. Why is this so dangerous? It's The worst of it really is that politicians have to self-censor to avoid alienating any potential source of campaign cash. And this has been going on a long time, but with the cost of campaigns having gone now going stratospheric, really, if you're running for office or if you're in office in Washington, you can't talk about any real meaningful idea for solving any of the country's problems because any idea you've got is going to offend this or that donor. And since now your, your need for cash is so desperate because you have to raise so much, basically you have to take cash from everyone, every possible donor. So for example, you know, we, we have an unfair tax code um, that lets large corporations earn billions but not pay a dime. And that's part of why we have a $2 trillion deficit a year, which we cannot afford to have. No one in Washington even has, is even talking about a plan for cutting the wasteful spending that's leading to that deficit or getting a fair tax code that makes big business pay its share. No one's even talking about a plan to stop paying twice as much as we need to be for healthcare, because basically that's what we're doing. No one has a plan for our crumbling infrastructure. Basically, it's gotten to the point where the parties and the candidates, yeah, they, they have programs in theory. In theory, they have plans about what they're gonna do for us. But now, basically, every for every, every good idea, there's going to be donors who can block it, and the donors don't even have to get on the phone to the candidates because the candidates self-censor. And that, in turn, I think, is the best explanation for why the party's messaging has gotten more and more negative with every cycle. Because all they've got, since they have so little positive to offer us, they've just fallen back on attacking each other. And I hear this from Americans on both sides of the aisle all the time. I look at these TV ads. All they do is tear down the other guy and say what they're going to do for us. And the reason for that is that because they can't alienate donors, they no longer can tell us what they're going to do for us. And so all they do is both parties basically try to keep their base in line by demonizing the other side. And I think that's why our politics has gotten so angry and polarized. Dan, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on and explaining all of, all of that. Thank you so much for having me, Veronica. Harvard President Claudine Gay has resigned. The move comes after her rocky testimony on Capitol Hill and multiple plagiarism allegations. Harvard President Claudine Gay on Tuesday said she would resign from her position, ending a six-month tenure marred by allegations of plagiarism and backlash over her congressional testimony about anti-Semitism on campus on December 5th. And Dr. Gay... At Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. At the testimony, Gay and other university presidents 
were criticized for failing to definitively say that calls for the genocide of Jews constituted bullying and harassment on campus. Gay, the first black president in Harvard's 388-year history, had come under pressure to resign from Harvard's Jewish community and some members of Congress over her comments, while also facing several allegations of plagiarism for her academic work in recent months. In a letter to the Harvard community, Gay said her decision to step down had been difficult beyond words, adding, quote, After consultation with members of the Harvard Corporation, it has become clear that it is in the best interest of Harvard for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge with a focus on the institution rather than any individual. The Harvard Corporation, the university's 11-member governing body, said in an email to the community that its members had accepted Gay's resignation with sorrow and that the school's provost and chief academic officer, Alan Garber, would take over as interim president. In 2023, as companies injected billions of dollars into startups, scientists and artificial intelligence experts began sounding the alarm over AI's potential dangers. So what will AI look like in 2024? Generative artificial intelligence sparked both euphoria and existential dread in 2023, as ChatGPT became the fastest growing consumer app ever. But as companies injected billions into startups, scientists and AI experts began sounding the alarm over AI's potential dangers. And here we are for the first time really in human history with something that's going to be far more intelligent than us. To realize the promise of AI and avoid the risk, we need to govern this technology. Here's what to expect in the world of AI in 2024. From manufacturing to entertainment, nearly every industry has embraced the tech. Investors have poured $27 billion into generative AI startups, according to PitchBook. One estimate from consultancy PwC suggests AI-related economic impacts could spike to almost $16 trillion globally by 2030. That's nearly the gross domestic output of China. But a key question is whether the future of AI will continue to be deliberated behind closed doors by a privileged few in Silicon Valley. Regulators are determined to have a say. The EU's AI Act aims to establish guardrails for the tech. Britain and the U.S. are drafting rules, too. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. 2024 is set to be the biggest election year in history. And AI could play an outsized role. My name is Ashley, and I'm an artificial intelligence volunteer for... The tech has already been conscripted to make campaign calls in the U.S. But there is concern about AI-generated misinformation targeting voters. NewsGuard, a company that has a rating system for news and information sites, has already found over 600 unreliable AI-generated sites in multiple languages last year. The winners and losers of the AI era are only just emerging. Civil rights advocates have raised concerns over potential bias in fields such as recruitment. Unions worry about AI eliminating some jobs altogether, like writing computer code or drafting entertainment content. Among the winners, chipmaker NVIDIA, whose processors are the hottest commodity in the global AI race. And then there's Sam Altman, in the final months of 2023, the CEO of OpenAI, the nonprofit behind ChatGPT, 
was ousted only to be brought back days later. The spectacle became a debate over Altman's push to commercialize AI versus a slower approach. Hi, everyone. Team Altman. Thanks for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. Stay with us. More ticker coming up.